0: This episode of The Hour on the Renewal Ministries Podcast Network is brought to you by Renewal Ministries. I want to highlight a Pentecost mission we're doing. It's free and online. We've had two weeks so far. First week was with Dr. Ralph Martin. Second week was with me. Uh, Ralph talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit. I talked about uh, the game changer, the Holy Spirit's role in evangelization. Next week, June sixth, Sunday, June 6th, is Peter Herbeck, and following after that is Dr. Mary Healy. If you missed the first two weeks, no problem. You can go to the Renewal Ministries YouTube page to watch the replay. If you want to sign up so that you can be reminded, come this Sunday to watch Peter and and participate with us. You can go to renewalministries.net to sign up. But either way, you should just check out the Renewal Ministries YouTube channel. Subscribe so that you can be up to date on all the various videos that we're posting. And then, yeah, go to the website too and sign up because then you'll get the emails and be part of the loop. When we do more of these types of things today on the hour is something that uh we recorded a a while ago back in march but it's just been kind of crazy getting getting it edited and and getting it up and everything else going on with the spirit leader intensive course and the pearl of great price challenge and different things that we've been a part of but really excited to bring to you this conversation with lavinia spirito she is from lexington kentucky she's a lawyer and the leader of uh, the Catholic Way Bible Study, which is based in Lexington but has groups all over the place, uh, working through Scripture and growing as disciples through the Word of God. She's a very dynamic speaker, a very wonderful and uh, just spirit-filled lady who tells us some stories about her the early days of the Charismatic Renewal and her conversion and what brought her to America and all that. She's from Italy, and uh, yeah, just a really wonderful conversation that I'm so glad to. Um, bring you today on the hour so that's coming up next on the hour but first my friend connor flanagan
1: Can't say I never all right i'm
0: here with lavinia lavinia oh, welcome to, to walk walk the away. hour
1: Hey Pete, thanks. Thanks for having
0: me. She just let me know. This is exciting that she is one of the people listening on a regular basis to the hour, which just made me so happy. And I was like, "Oh, you're the one who's listening. That's fantastic." So, uh I'm just glad to to have you and we we've known each other for a while now. I've always been inspired by what the Lord has done in you, and I'm just excited to um yeah, just have a conversation today about your life, what the Lord's done in you and what he continues to do through you and what you see him doing in the church. Let's start here. If you don't mind, I'd love to kind of go backwards a little bit. Uh, You grew up in Rome and could you just share a little bit of the story of how you came to know the Lord? Uh, Grow up in Rome, end up at the University of Michigan a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of detail in there that you'd love to fill in. But what was it like? How How did Lavinia meet Jesus?
1: Well, you know, there's a backstory as I imagine there always is my parents were divorced. I'm the oldest of three and well, which eventually became four. Um, and, uh, my parents were divorced when I was 14 and kind of sent the family in a tailspin. We were living in Rome at the time. I was in Italian, uh, in the Italian Lyceum, the classical Lyceum, the classical track of the Italian high school system. And, um, kind of sent us kind of spinning a little bit, as you can imagine. Um, And, uh, it was about two years later that I was, um, I actually got the opportunity to attend, um, a pilgrimage to Lourdes, but not just as a tourist, not just as a pilgrim, but as a worker, I had a family member who was organizing pilgrimages and we all wore our little uniforms. We had like white uniforms and veils and the whole nine yards. And uh, we boarded the twenty-three-hour train from Rome, all the way up to Lourdes. So all the way up the, the coastal line, and then crossing into the Pyrenees. And we would have sh- we would work our shifts, and we would like work, and we would take with us each train would take a certain number of cars of terminally ill people, patients for whom this was like the Ave Maria, the, literally the Ave Maria, you know, play sort of thing, and. Um, it was through that those experiences that I had in Lords that I actually was invited to my first prayer meeting, and uh, it was uh, the Italian Catholic Charismatic Renewal, and uh, I was I was seventeen, and it was today. Pete, is the anniversary of my baptism in the Holy Spirit? Wow! On the feast of Saint Joseph, so March nineteenth, nineteen seventy four. Okay. So. Please don't I'm do not math. very good at math, so you don't need
0: to worry about that. Long, long
1: 29 ago. years ago, not not, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, You, you were not even in God's yes, pocket what is what I'm not, trying no. to tell you. <laughs> you were not. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but so it was a long time ago. But it was, um, I think, a part of God's mercy that I was, you know, I was in a convent school. I mean, I had nuns all over the place. We had great sort of Catholic formation, although it was more about the rules and not so much who the person was or why we're doing this. And um, and I'll never forget being invited to this prayer meeting. And and at the end of the prayer, and it was wonderful. It was praise and worship music and just things that an Italian teenager at the time was not familiar with, especially attending a convent school, et cetera. And um, at the end of the prayer meeting, they said, do you want us to pray over you? And I'm like, sure. And so they prayed over me. They laid hands on me. Um, I received the, the the Holy Spirit. All I can say is, I already had him, but he came in there and just kind of stirred things up, you know, as you will. And um, and it was a transformational moment for them. And I've never been the same. I mean, everything that you hear about people um, kind of coming more into touch with the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of baptism and confirmation, all those things became concrete or as concrete as they can be in the life of a 17-year-old sort of, you know, spoiled brat, <laughs> teenager roman teenager who thought she was too cool for school you know and um but that was really I think in the, in a certain sense the beginning of this journey that's led me places that I never thought I would go so it's pretty interesting I never thought I would you know come to the states and and you know I was born in these states but then my father moved the family back to Rome so I grew up there and I never thought I would go back but a funny thing happened Pete um I threw myself, I tend to throw myself into things. And so I'm like throwing myself into prayer groups and prayer ministry and teaching Life in the Spirit seminar and Rome being what it is, is chock-a-block with priests and nuns and all you know kinds of people. And of course, we met, uh, the, um, the English-speaking prayer group met in the Gregorian University. So we would have all kinds of professors who would attend uh, these prayer meetings. So I got to know a whole bunch of people. And because I speak Italian and Spanish, I would go to the Italian pro-group, I'd go to the Spanish <laughs> prayer group and I would go to the English-speaking pro-group. My family was kind of worried. Sure. They were like, can't you read a trashy novel occasionally? That kind of thing. <laughs> but um, so, but I, did, I threw myself into it. And as a result, uh, in 1975, so the year later, I was able to be part of the Word Gift team, which is a group of people sort of collected to kind of hear from the Lord. I was also a translator um, t- in the 1975 conference of the International Catholic Charismatic Renewal that took place in Rome in the catacombs, or not in the catacombs, on top of the catacombs, in big tents. And uh, that was a turning point in my life. I met Ralph Martin, I met Anne Martin, I met uh, their two kids I actually babysat for John and Mary Sarah. Um, pulling out my cigarette while I was doing it, kind of like, just, oh, you you kids, okay, you know. It was kind of a foreign thing for me to babysit, especially American kids. But I'll, the reason I'm in the United States is because Ralph said to me, what are you going to do for college? Now The Italian school system is 13 years, not 12. So I still had a couple of years to go, right? And I was, you know, convinced that I was going to go to medical school, and I was already kind of half signed up in the in the University of Rome, and that's what I was going to do. And, but I was totally enraptured with this idea of living for the Lord, you know, just living hog wild, just doing all, you know, living in community. I, I really hungered for community. And Ralph said to me, "Why didn't you come to University of Michigan? And you can be a part of the Word of God community, which was a large Covenant Charismatic community in uh, in Ann Arbor at the time. It's still there. And um, So I said, okay, (laughs) you know, oh, to be 17 and 18 again, right?
0: Um,
1: We'd have no problem with anything. Oh, sure. You know, and um, I applied um, from my Italian school. I had to translate my transcripts. I had to translate all my letters of recommendation because that was not, that was not a thing in Italy. You didn't do that kind of thing. And uh, one nun told me, don't go to America. It's the playground of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but I'm like, you don't know where I'm going, sister. I'm going to go to this community. It's going to be great. So anyway, lo and behold, I was accepted. I came to University of Michigan. Um, I got out of the car, the taxi from the airport. I had literally 12 pieces of luggage that included fur coats and pearls and suits because, you know, again, that different culture, right? I get out of the car, University of Michigan. I think I was in a dorm called East Quad which at the time was rather crunchy. You know, if you know what I'm saying, it's rather granola, very sort of, I don't know what it is now. It's been a long time. No, it time.
0: still is. Yeah, it is.
1: But I got out of my car in my pearls, in my hair, my updo, my suit, you know, just like every sort of Italian girl at that point would have been dressed and I was greeted at the door with my 12 pieces of luggage and um, by some people who were, let's say, not dressed the way I was, they were dressed rather differently. And they look at me and I look at them and I'm like, "Oh boy, you know, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So I just adapted. You know, I just kind of came in. I before the year was over, I gave away like you know, ten of my twelve suitcases that I didn't need. Um, and I became a part of the community, and I kind of dove in feet first,. Um, into the life of the dorm district at the University of Michigan. That was the precursor of what became University Christian Outreach. And now is something else. I forgot. I, you know, it has a couple of permutations. I don't know what it's called now, uh, whatever outreach there is in the dorm, in the dorms at the University of Michigan. And, uh, you know, basically it was there that I made friendships that have lasted me my whole life, you know, contacts and friendships, either in the community, in the dorms. Um, When it was uh, time to go, you know, basically I graduated from the University of Michigan speaking four languages with a degree in anthropology, with a background in philosophy and Greek, ancient Greek and Latin and history and philosophy and all that stuff. And all I could do was find a, a job as a secretary translating exams. So I was working for the Romance Language Department at the University of Michigan, and they wanted me because I could type in French, Italian and Spanish. So that's fine, that's fine for a lot of people, but it was not fine for me. So after about a year or so, I looked around and I took a, there was a lady in the community that would give aptitude tests, and I air quote, because I still don't know if if they were really that kind of thing or not, but I call them aptitude tests, where you took all these tests over two days, and then they would tell you like, you 99%, this is what you should do, or 10%, you should, don't do this, do that, you know, that kind of thing it was exactly the kind of thing i needed to hear because i was like what am i gonna do you know <clears throat> so my results came back 97 you should uh, you should be employed in a career in which you persuade people <laughs> mm-hmm. so go to law school either go to law school or become a college professor so i went to law school and I went to. I ended up going to moving out of Ann Arbor, going to Kentucky, going to University of Kentucky College of Law, with the firm purpose that I was going to move back to Italy and uh, and use my degree there. And I wasn't going to live in America because I wasn't too enamored with the whole American scene. I wanted to go back to home. I was homesick. Sure. But of course, you know, tell God your plans if you want to hear Him laugh. And um, <laughs> I met my husband halfway through law school, and uh, we were married right after. And I ended up staying in the last place in the world that I ever thought I would live yeah. in Lexington, Kentucky. How about that? And i tell you what, it's been a gift of God. I can say now with the, the perspective of several decades <clears throat> that it was just like getting me young before I had time to turn crusty mm. in my soul mm. and in my habits and uh, putting me through five years in the community where I received teaching and mentoring and accountability and shaping and all uh, that we they, they had great courses about one course was was entitled emotions can you trust them Bert Gezi taught that one it was great and then you had foundations of Christian life you had like basically basic relating this is how you ask for forgiveness this is how you don't act like a like a two-year-old this is how you know men and women relate you know all kinds of basic formation which have really carried me through my entire life yeah and that's so quite a gift i went to law school got married went through a hard time my father died i we couldn't get pregnant i had like eight or nine miscarriages oh, wow. it was you know not it was kind of gruesome but you know the lord has a way to kind of draw you back in through misadventure through suffering and um it was during that time that I was invited to a, quote, non-denominational, <laughs> again, air quotes, good thing people can't see this tape, but uh, um, Bible study. And I was already, you know, I had left the community and I had been into something, I'd gone somewhere else, but I still had that hunger for community. For Because once you have it, it's like you know what it is hmm. and you will accept no substitutes. Might be you Maybe if you have to, you will, but, you know. And so I was always looking, so I joined this uh, non-denominational Bible study I was there for about seven years. And um, it was great, you know, just the hunger for the word, et cetera. Except that towards the end of my stay there with that Bible study, um, it became apparent that the whole sacramental tradition, the whole liturgical tradition, the whole Catholic, you know, deposit of the faith was being, if not misinterpreted, perhaps conveyed in a way that did not uh, transmit its fullness. Let's put it that way. And so um, a friend of mine, Judy, and I decided we were going to stop going to this Bible study and basically provide, and this was in 1999, a Bible study for Catholics. Because lo and behold, the largest group of people who participated in this so-called non-denominational Bible study was Catholic. Wow. Wow. And this was at a time when we were told, oh, Catholics, you can't have them study the Bible. Oh, they'll never do homework. Oh, they'll never sit through anything that's over 10 minutes long, you know, lecture-wise. And here were all these people that I could see who were doing the same thing in this demanding Bible study where they were sitting through hour-long lectures. They were doing their homework. And on top of that, they they weren't allowed in if they were late. Oh, wow. Like, they would close the sanctuary doors. And if you didn't have anything written down on your paper, you could not intervene. You couldn't speak. You had to be there. But you could- So there's certain demands that were made oh, yeah, on you, right? Yeah. So some of this stuff, it was like, well, that's never going to fly with Catholics. We can't lock them out because then we wouldn't have anybody <laughs> if they come late. But we did arrive to the point where now, 1999, now it's 2021, uh, we have Bible st- Catholic Way Bible Study In 42 states in the United States, internationally, we have multiple Bible studies in a lot of states. And our mothership, you know, the morning Bible study that we started with with 50 people back in 1999 is now routinely, well, in non-pandemic times, obviously, uh, around 300 people every Thursday morning. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, it goes to show that, you know, if you, if you, pres- if you listen to the Lord and you do what you think he's asking you to do, you don't have to gyrate and sit on chairs and, and offer donuts and bribe them to come and, and keep things short. If you give them what uh, the Holy Spirit wants them to have and what they're hungry for but they don't know, they will, they will come back. Yeah. And they kept coming back, and they kept coming back. Originally, it was entitled, the name of the study was Catholic Women's Bible Study because I'm like well Thursday morning who's going to come on a Thursday morning right i mean you know there's no no pronouncement on anything else right but lo and behold we had men coming in after about a month or so we had men coming in sneaking in during lecture time turning their chairs around sitting in the back listening to the lectures and then turning their chairs back around and escaping as soon as the lecture was over so there was a there was from the beginning an appeal to both men and women for this study yeah. Too much so that our bishop who who was sat on our board said, now, you have to stop calling this Catholic Women's Bible Study. We got all the stationery, so we have to keep the W. Why don't we call it Catholic Way Bible mm-hmm. Study? And that's how we start. So that's kind of the makeup of most of the groups across the nation are evenly divided, men and women, whether there's night studies or morning studies or, you know, day studies or whatever. So it's been really, it's been a privilege to cooperate with the Lord. Yeah in his
0: work. Incredible. Incredible just journey the Lord took you on and I want to if if we could I'd love to break out a couple of different pieces of it because that was that was a good kind of overview of what makes you you. And I I definitely want to talk about Catholic way, but let's go back a second to at basically 1718 you're mm-hmm. captured by the Lord. Your heart is Drawn into His, mm-hmm. you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I had no idea you were actually at the 1975. I mean, this is a pretty famous moment in the Charismatic Renewal. I mean, Ralph has a very famous prophecy that came out at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's a lot there. that happened. Do you have any other mm-hmm. recollections of what that that conference oh, was gosh, like? Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, are you kidding? It, I it, it's still seared in my memory. Uh, it was kind of organized, you know, it was at the very beginning of the big conferences. Sure. So not too many people really knew what the heck was going on. Okay. I think food ran out at a certain point and people got lost and, you know, bus stop, you know, trying to get people like, I think there was like 10,000 people maybe wow. or more at the closing mass in St. Peter's Basilica yeah. on the Sunday, With right? With the Pope. And there had been pretty regularly people, uh, that amount of people on the at the catacombs
0: yeah and and then and then the pope shows up
1: and then the pope shows up so like half the basilica is us and the other half is i think it's the Marian congress so they're singing ave maria and we're singing hallelujah hmm. remember that thing mm-hmm. goes on forever yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're like for hours the same thing finally we notice the Marian Congress is singing with us, awesome. you know, and everybody in the whole basilica is singing. Hallelujah. Hmm. You know, and it was so hot. People were passing out left, right and center. It was really, really hot. And but I was 17, 18. What do, how did I know? I had like uh, Gary Ceramic, the, the manager of Renewal Ministries at the time he, I think he was in charge of corralling me and he would tell me, just sit over there and stop it. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Quit fooling around, quit messing around, quit trying to wander around, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, but I remember it was there that I met Ralph and I met Steve Clark and I met, um, Bruce Yocum, um, who was the leader of the word gift team. He was like the head word gift guy. You had to go to him to give your, and, um, uh, Francis McNutt, who at the time was a Dominican priest, Father McNutt. He's one of the pioneers of the healing movement in the in the in the Catholic Church mm-hmm. um, Jim Ferry, uh, Mike Scanlon, um, all the original people that you hear about were all it was like they were all there wow. and i I'm seventeen. What do I know? Oh, hey, what's going on? Oh you know, I'm like <clears throat> when I look back and I think about how how fun it was to hang out with those guys, especially, you know, Um, I actually translated for Father McNutt, for Francis McNutt. And I also translated some uh, seminars for a brother from Lebanon. His name was Peter Shabaya. And he was a great guy in the early days of the Catholic charismatic renewal before Beirut Mm -hmm. went up in flames, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I translated for him various uh, seminar, you know, lecture or workshops um from Italian into English. So I was in and out, you know, in and out, you know, zipping around, my name they had name tags, right? They have your name, then your like home prayer group at the time, and then how many languages you spoke. So people would grab you according to what your language said and they say, Where's the bathroom? Or, you know, (laughs) where do I get prayer? Or you know, how do I get home? Or you know (laughs) Right, right,
0: right, right. When you look back on that, um, or maybe a better way to put that is like clearly those those moments uh, at 17 18 transformed you forever and you know the the term baptism in the holy spirit was in some ways popularized by the charismatic renewals in, in scripture jesus talks about it of course um, but when when you when you try to describe this to other people how would you describe the importance of that baptism in the holy spirit moment or even moments if you will like there was a, clearly a moment a time when Jesus poured out his spirit or unleashed in you a new understanding of what it's sacred scripture, a new understanding of his lordship, a new new gifting and all that. That's not thats not common understanding amongst most Catholics. Could you just talk a little bit about why that was so important to you and why you think that's important for other people?
1: Well, I'm, I wouldn't be here today, Pete, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, not even close, if I hadn't had that encounter in the power of the Holy Spirit when I was that young. <clears throat> the way I've understood it at the time, I, it was like, cool, God is real. This is great. Let's, you know, I mean, I, I didn't have a whole lot of intellectual obstacles sure. that perhaps I would have had if I'd been, if I'd had this experience later, right. Yeah. You know, God gives you a chance to, to perhaps build some obstacles and some pre- defense mechanisms and that kind of stuff. I didn't have all that, any that stuff, but looking back on it, I see it as an actualization of, baptism and confirmation so it's like we're all locked and loaded we just don't know it hmm. your average catholic knows that there's something missing they know it because how can you sit there and pay half attention to the readings at mass that describe signs and wonders and in life and the power of the holy spirit and then look at your own circumstances or your life or your community and notice a noticeable lack of power yeah. <laughs> you know it's like How? Why does my life does not look like that life? You know, the life in the Acts of the Apostles. Especially right after my baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Apostles just came alive. You know, it was like, that wasn't just then. This is now. And for me, that was the only thing that was going to keep me in the church. And it was the only thing that was going to keep me faithful to God. That's why I have great respect for people who perhaps may have not um, encountered the stirring up of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit and who are nevertheless faithful no. and are nevertheless doing their, you know, trying and doing and, and ministering. And, and uh, you know, I couldn't do it unless I had that connection with supernatural power. And I really think that as I get older and, and as society keeps, you know, turning into what it's turning into, that really that's the hope for the church. And I think it's a hope for the world. I think especially now with the internet everybody is subject to competing messages everybody's talking to you every time you turn around i can't even check my email without hearing stuff i don't care about you know and they will tell me about it even if i don't want to click on it it's going to pop up and tell me all this stuff so there's all this like competing messages and people are talk 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 yes you and i know we need to be efficient communicators right But there's nothing like the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in signs and wonders brought to bear on somebody's life. That, to me, is the ultimate evangelization. And that is what Paul meant when he said, you know, that we need to yield to the building, edifying charisms of the holy spirit so it's not only that i've taught ccd and i've taught eighth grade and i've taught confirmation class and you put those poor kids through the ringer and they don't know what's going on because all they do is they tell you about the seven gifts of the sanctifying gifts of the holy spirit which is our important right it's how you grow in sanctification so those are for your holiness but holiness is not the only part of the christian life the reason you're holy is so one you'll see god but two so you will go and evangelize the world and change the world and 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 be God for the world, be Jesus for the world. So two things: holiness. That's the sanctifying gifts of the Isaiahic gifts, the only gifts they ever tell you about in uh, in confirmation prep. And, but there's also what do you do now that you're growing in holiness? Well, you use these other gifts which are given to you for the sake of the building up of the body, and those are the charismatic gifts in the First Corinthians twelve and so and so forth. But the two. Have to be connected, yeah. right? There's that Ephesians four paradigm, right? There's teachers, shepherds, pastors, evangelists, um, apostles, apostles etc. Yeah. Right? The whole we've lived for hundreds of years in a church which only expects us to be shepherds and pastors and teachers, but the apostles and the prophets, where are they? Right? We so I find it in a certain sense the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a way to reintegrate the ephesians for paradigm whereby we are reaching the entire community we are reaching the entire person and we're doing it without any apologies mm-hmm. we're not oh well god used to teach but maybe he didn't know either no let's see let's pray over you that your headache will go away and most of the time the headache will go away and if it doesn't go away you feel so much better you don't know why you feel better but you feel lighter you feel god has spoken you know yeah. what i'm saying? God always acts. He always intervenes. We're just too timid and too shy and too, unfortunately, ill-formed, I think as Catholics, or ill-informed to know that we too have the power through baptism and confirmation mm. to be a light and salt of the earth.
0: Yeah. Amen. You know, you know, one of the other things that Mark's the uh baptism of the spirit or the outpouring of the holy spirit and we see it right away in acts of The apostles peter demonstrates it because he stands in front of the crowd and he interprets scripture he talks about joel 2 and he talks about other things clearly in the catholic way bible study the holy spirit is is flowing through you as the primary teacher and and for all the men and women who are who are involved what when you're preparing a lesson or you're preparing a teaching or when you're thinking about which book to do next or kind of how to construct the whole thing, what, what does that process look like for you in terms of relying on the Holy Spirit? Cause clearly the, the spirit has given you a charism for teaching, but also a charism for organization of these thoughts in a way that not only engages the, the head, but engages the heart. You wouldn't have 300 people coming every week. If it was just head knowledge, clearly something is connecting to their heart and in their soul. How, what, how would what would you attribute that to other than the obvious answer the holy spirit but like what does that look like in you as you navigate and try to discern what the spirit is saying to the catholic way bible study
1: Well you know the first thing is i have an amazing team mm. we we not only have lectures we have discussion groups and we have leaders of these discussion groups <clears throat> and we usually typically do a whole school year so we have we meet twice a week the leaders meet the fir- on the first day to go over their lessons, to pray together, to have praise and worship, to minister to one another, to do administrative things. And then we meet, but we come on Thursday morning or whenever the study is locked and loaded, prayed up. We've been through our lesson. We've had, we've answered our, you know, crossed our T's and dotted our I sort of thing. So I, I, I'm not doing this in a vacuum. I could never have the organizational chops that uh, my friend Judy Paternoster, we basically co-founded this Bible study together and she's the administrative part, and I'm the teaching part. And um, and then in addition to her, we have a whole um, we have homework lessons, right? So we have uh, five days of homework lessons of ho- of lessons, you know, five days of questions divided up into five days. And we have a question development team of eight or nine or ten, it depends on the year, uh, people chaired by my good friend Mary Jo James whose husband is just ordained a deacon actually, um, who put in a lot of time. So there's a lot of moving parts. And oftentimes when I'm praying about what we're going to do next year, I won't get anything. But somebody else in the team will say, let's do Moses. Okay, let's do Moses. You know, it doesn't have to be that God has to reveal everything to me. I just ask God for the words of life for those people for that time. And then... And I, and, and, I, and I occupy every minute of that one hour. I, I totally say, hey, you know, I, at the beginning when we started doing it, I remember thinking, you know, Lord, my goal is evangelizing. My goal is getting people to know you and to love you and serve you. Those are the four goals of Catholic Web Bible Study, right? Evangel. If you go to our website, evangelism, catechesis. So evangelism lets know the Lord. Catechesis lets know what he says. Uh, formation, let's learn to live like we like we, we mean what we believe, and discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple, to one who's being continuously taught? That's the definition of a disciple, both in Hebrew and in Greek, right? So uh, it, it, I, I say that to say there's a lot of moving parts. All I want to do is Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, deliver. I mean, I want to do the evangelical mandate. And if I can do it by teaching a Bible study, praise God. If he wants me to stand on my head and look stupid for an hour every Thursday morning, (laughs) I'll do that too. I mean, you know what I'm saying? From the very beginning, I had to kind of let go of the fact I'm teaching. Well, okay, I'm teaching. I'm teaching because this is a good vehicle that God is using. But if he will use something else, I need to be available for that too. You know what I'm saying? absolutely. It's not about, you know, my knowledge or anything like that. Come to find out, you know, uh, eight years of Latin and five years of classical Greek and philosophy and history of art and a degree of anthropology and a degree in the law don't hurt. Yeah. They don't. They've actually come together to create this and also, you know, speaking languages, etc. So it's created a sort of a unique um, delivery system. But my main point is, OK, get a load of what God says today. And are you as your life changed? And if it's not, let's pray. We have an opportunity after lecture for people to receive prayer ministry. Right. And we always do that. You know, we're always available. We've prayed with people who were dying in the hospital. We pray, you know, I want it to be not only this academic exercise, I want it to be something that People know that they can rely upon us to accompany them, not only through the the, the formal structure of the Bible study, but that we're forming a community.
0: Well, that's incredibly scriptural, right? Like when St. Paul talks about his method of evangelization, it was to proclaim the word and let it be accompanied with signs and wonders to confirm the word, right? The The, the expectation is that there would be supernatural mm-hmm. movement of God, even if the supernatural movement of God was, yeah. quote unquote, only faith being born in someone, which is still supernatural. But there was an expectation yeah. that we don't just deliver a message and leave it at that. It's a deliver a message that then comes with decision, that comes with an opportunity to respond. And I, I just think it's what you just said here. Yeah should be like cross-stitched on a pillow or something. It says, you know, you wanted the words of life for those people at that time. That's just, that's just like a, every disciple should long for that in every moment of their life. Not when they're on a stage only, but when they go into the grocery store, when they end up at the law firm to, to, to be, Lord, give me the words of life for these people at this time. I mean, Am I right? I mean, that just seems like such a profound way to understand living as a disciple.
1: That's my prayer, no matter what I do, mm-hmm. no matter where I do a lot of speaking. I used to do a lot of speaking. I used to do a lot of traveling. <laughs> Let's see what happens on the other side of this. But <clears throat> I, my, that was always my prayer. It was like, Lord, I prepared this, you know, this little thing, whatever it is, you know, I have my little talk. But if you want me to throw it away and talk about something else, I need to be available to do that. I can't be so in love with my content and my research and all these nifty things that I found out that I ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Right. Mm. And that's and that's, you know, I do have to say one thing. I I owe Father Francis Martin the first part of what I said to give me the words of life. Mm. Father Francis Martin was uh, one of my main people that I met in the conference in 1975. He was in his prime. He was up there making announcements in five languages. He was like almost falling off the stage when he was preaching. He was crazy. He, was, he just made such an indelible impression on me. And one of his main things, one of his main sayings was, ask the Lord to give you the words of life. And that's always been my prayer. Give me the words of life. Give me what they need right now. Help them make a difference. Convict, inspire, encourage, and maybe also convict.
0: Yeah, right. Maybe. Right, right. When, if somebody's listening to this and and they're feeling drawn into this mentality of the words of life for these people at this time, how do you know if they're the words of life? Like, what, what, what is it just... You say them and see what happens or like, how have you learned to be able to discern that? Oh, wow. This, these are the words from the Lord. This is what he's asking me to say at this time. Or conversely, nope, that he doesn't want me to say that. And I I should go a different direction. Like how, how, how have you, how have you navigated that?
1: Well, sometimes I've found, I found that I will, um, I will get going. And once I get going, it's like, I get wound up, you know, and, and I can't really speak by standing still, I have to walk around. So once I start walking around and I and I and what I usually do is I have my notes, they're all prepared. I got all my lectures, all typed up, it's at the podium, and I get so excited and I'm over here talking to this group of people because the Lord is drawing me towards them. But I end up, I end up marooned over there without my notes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sure that may have happened to you. I don't know. It happens to me all the time. And finally, I'm like, you know, Lord, give me, just bring to mind the things that I prepared that you want me to say. And if you want me to say something, sometimes I'll be saying things and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I could never, I mean, sometimes it's so cool to hear the Holy Spirit speaking through you, you know? And you just have to have a sense of humor about it, you know, and say, oh, thank you, Lord. This is great. You know, let's do it again. But I'm not going to dwell on that moment. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I always try, I'm always careful to give glory to God. Yeah, amen. In all things. Have
0: you found that the, the the what you just described in terms of being on the stage and, and pre- preaching in different ways, has that translated into everyday life? Have you found that 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 similar approach of words of life for my neighbor or for my daughters or for whatever? Oh, I'm getting marooned over here, but I need to be drawn back over here. Lord, I'm just trusting you. Has that also applied to just the no. everyday life of your discipleship? No.
1: Yeah, as you get older, especially as you continue to walk and you try to be faithful, for me, the big uh, revelation was, of course, the depth of the charisms of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because in the end, what we're asking the Lord for are is a gift of knowledge, is a gift of wisdom, it's a gift of faith, it's a gift perhaps of miraculous speech, it's a gift of discernment of spirits, it's... Um, you know, for God to give you a word of knowledge for that person or, uh, you know, especially prof- prophetic insights, Hey, would it make sense to you that, you know, I've been trying to act to practice that to kind of be in a store with somebody and, and maybe say something completely off the wall that doesn't, they have no idea what I'm talking about, but God has even used those instances in which I said, Oh, well, I'm sorry. I look like a crazy person, but I'm trying to hear from God. <laughs> And, half, and most of the time, they're like, what? Tell me more. And so whatever is lacking on my side, God always makes up for it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. If you're available and you're willing to look stupid or look uninformed or look uh, like you're slightly off, um, which, you know, we have a horror of that as moderns, right? We, we don't want to look stupid. We want to look put together. Right. We want to sound like we know what we're talking about, but... Half the time, it has to do with being fools for Christ, you know, and being fools for Christ means being ready to step in and say, hey, uh, does the date, I've been praying for dates, because I think nobody is reached more than somebody who's hearing their own birth date from you or from me or their street address or their, you know, whatever it is, you know, some kind of specific word for them that I could not know, but God does. And that opens more doors than it, almost anything else because God is basically reading your mail. I'm just the mail carrier. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, Oh, does this make sense? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And like I said, it's hit or miss. Sometimes you have that accurate word and, th- and it's amazing, but even when you don't, it's still amazing mm-hmm. because you're trying to come in there uh, representing the Lord and the Lord never misses. Yeah, You might miss, I might miss, but he never misses.
0: Right. Well, and, and clearly, that that confidence of who you are in him is not dependent on the fruitfulness of a word delivered or not like you you are rock solid in the fact that jesus loves you he's given his life for you he's given his life to you you're filled with the holy spirit Mm -hmm. all all of those things establish a foundation kind of an unshakable kingdom right where it doesn't matter whether or not you look foolish it doesn't matter whether or not when you say something, right. everybody writes a wonderful affirmation for it, or you hear crickets. You know, it does, that none of that is what you're deriving your identity or um, value from.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. I mean, because the minute that happens, you're toast. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because we're fallible. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Why? Why on earth would I rely on anything other than the Holy Spirit, who has a hundred uh, percent, you know, hit record?
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good point. It's like. Yeah, why would we rely on anything other than the Holy Spirit I, I, I don't know
1: and believe me, as a lawyer in the courtroom I had I had a chance to see how much I can bore people. I've seen how my words fall into nothing you know into mm. black wells of nothingness you know and I can tell the mm. difference between God allowed me to see that that yes, you're not that special, you know you can bore. You know the pants off of people, but when you're when you're bringing my mail, you know when you're speaking my words, then it they will do what they're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, amen. All right, well let's let's uh let's bring it to this. Uh, you've you've been talking about being able to hear what the spirit is saying and and communicate that. Well, let's just bring it to a point right here of. What do you feel like the Spirit is saying to the church right now when you assess the signs of the times? And and fun fact, you can go to the Renewal Ministries blog or onto the Catholic Way Bible study uh, page to to read what you have to say about this. But I'd love for you to just declare in a certain way or preach it here. What do you feel like the Lord's saying and, and how are we called to respond?
1: Well, um, and and also an additional little fact, on our website, there is a video recording of a talk that I gave based on this last September, Um, it's about an hour and a half, and it was given in the sanctuary of our cathedral parish in Lexington, Kentucky, um, on this particular topic, Um, reading the signs of the times. You know, I, I told you I was in St. Peter's Basilica on that hot May day in 1975, and I will never forget hearing Ralph Martin talk about, start off with, because I love you, you know that's how his prophecy begins. Because I love you, and I want you to know that you know structures that you are relying on are never are not going to be there. Hard times are coming, and for a long time, I remember even in the community where we were, there was that kind of tenor of get ready. There was Mike uh, Father Mike Scanlon uh, giving similar prophecies. There was a, the, the sense of urgency of immediacy, right? And then, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, those of us who wanted to get ready, got ready, but you know, you, it's (laughs) hard to stay ready,
0: you
1: know, isn't it? It's hard to kind of stay at that pitch. And finally life takes over. And it wasn't, those words really didn't come back to mind until uh, Ralph pointed them out um, during one of his talks um, last year at some point. And in, and the, the uncanny measuring up of, Uh, Words that were were given in prophecy in 75 and in 1981, um, kind of literally coming to fruition in our day. I remember thinking when I was 17 and I was hearing these prophecies, I was thinking, oh, well, that's really going to be awful for the people who are going to be there at the time. But it won't be me because, you know, I mean, (laughs) when is that going to happen? You know, when I'm ancient or maybe when I'm dead, you know, that, that won't happen. You know, a young person thinking. And then finally, all of a sudden, I'm like, holy cow, this stuff is happening now. The stuff that I thought was never going to happen is, in fact, happening now. So what's happening now? The world is, is having the veil thrown off of itself to show that the worldly system that's not based on the kingdom of God is bankrupt. And it's bankrupt in so many ways. And we've seen that, you know, I mean, like, you know, I don't want to gild the lily. I mean, so many people, better people than me have said, have spoken about how 2020 was an opening of the eyes of people towards the weaknesses in the political structures, in the economic structures, in the social structures, defund the police. Really? Come on. Uh, In the whole um, craziness of the whole um gender continuum sort of stuff and i mean it's like it's like everywhere you look i was just listening to a very depressing um podcast on what the german bishops are doing yeah. right now you know like the whole uh, uh, synodality and all that stuff and basically um one of the professors at sacred heart was uh, seminary was kind of bringing us back to why are they saying this well it's basically it's a heretical position mm-hmm. that they've taken. And it's quite concerning. And what's happening in the United States is also quite concerning. And I know a lot of my friends, a lot of you, I'm sure you, you know people, whose hair is literally on fire because of all the yeah. stuff that's happening, right? And I'm convicted because I don't want my hair to be on fire. I want to be concerned, but I have to know, and I know, that Jesus in heaven is not taken aback by the German bishops, and he's not taken aback by the defunding of the police. and he's not taken aback by the failure of the banking system or the markets or uh, the political system or the passing of truly execrable laws in the in the in the House of the United States uh, Congress. Um, all those things that horrify us, he knows and he anticipated that we would be alive during these times. And so my main effort is trying hopefully to come alongside people to offer hope. God is in charge. The Lord is in charge. It's not my it's not my it's not my responsibility to pass judgment on father so and so or bishop so and so or you know cardinal so and so. It's not it's not my. It's way, way, way above my pay grade, right? As Father Mitch Pacwa used to say, <laughs> he said, "A lot of this stuff, it's management level decisions. We're in sales, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm in sales. Those, that's, you know, all, I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my responses. I'm responsible for what I speak, and I'm responsible. I'm. I'm really not even responsible." For my adult children, my adult children are responsible for their own selves, right? I mean, <clears throat> there's a way in which people see their children do stuff weird stuff and they're like, where did I go wrong? I'm like, look, Jesus picked Judas Iscariot. You think he was like tearing his heart, heart out, going, you know, going, where did I go wrong? I mean, or he even had Adam and Eve. Look what happened to them. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's not really a matter of um, getting so worried about stuff. It's a matter of continuing to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit and being open to the opportunities that God gives because as it says in Romans, where sin abounds, grace
0: abounds.
1: Grace abounds. And it's been in the in the in the in the awful moments of history where the great saints have emerged. So in a certain sense, I'm kind of have my little glasses on. I'm like my binoculars. I'm trying to see the great saints emerge. And you know I may not see them in this life, but I know that they're there. And I know that God has created us to live right now, to use a much really overused phrase, yeah. for such a time as this. But you know what? Esther was right. But we're right, too. You know, she was facing an, an oriental despot. But, and we're facing um, a despotic Congress. But, you know, it could be worse. Uh, the, the Europeans have truly lost their their marbles. The European Union continues to pass ridiculous uh, stuff about you know mm-hmm. life in general, right? I mean, there's always some place where it's worse. And then another thing is, the good good old days. Yeah, right. Were never the good old days, right? I have a lot a bunch of friends who like are, oh, we need to go back to the traditional Latin mass because those were the days. I'm like, you know what? I like the Latin mass. I'll, you know, if I can go, I'll go. But I'm not saying that that is going to be the solution. That go back to Trent, I don't think that going backwards into the Christendom model is going to be appropriate for a time in which we are in apostolic times. We have come full circle. We are no longer within a Christendom model. We are in an apostolic model. And what happened in the apostolic model? You live by example. You proclaim the word of God and you let the word of God do its thing in signs and wonders and power.
0: Yeah. And we got to do it again. Amen. Well, why don't, uh, if I could be so bold, could you just close us in a prayer to kind of confirm everything that, everything
1: we just Amen. talked about? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, as always, we don't know what to do. And we don't know what to say. And oftentimes, we don't even know what to think. We just throw ourselves on your mercy. And we throw ourselves on the power of your Holy Spirit, and on your great love for us. Lord, we see ourselves in the on the, on the field uh, with the angels and saints in the bleachers, as it says in Hebrews 12. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And so, Lord, we're buoyed by that support, and we're buoyed by those who have gone before us, and we're buoyed by those who are praying for us and interceding for us in heaven. And Lord we we say to you we trust you in all that you allow to happen and we trust you in all that you have commissioned us to do and we thank you for equipping us and for anointing us and for sending your holy spirit upon us so richly. And we thank you Lord and we ask you all these things in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy Amen.
0: spirit. Lavinia thanks so much this has been great. Uh we'll be praying for you. If somebody wants more information about Catholic way, other than going to the website, is there any, I know you have an app, any other way that they should get in touch with you?
1: So cwbs.org is, is the website. Uh, my podcast uh, is on, um, Apple yes. podcast and it's called real living, real living on the pod on the Apple podcast, um, on the iTunes store. <clears throat> I have, um, a, uh, an app in the app store, which is Catholic Way Bible Study app, and um, let's see, I have a pot, let's say podcast, the website. Oh, we're on uh, Instagram and on Facebook too. So we have Facebook pages and Instagram pages as well. You
0: got the podcast, you got the app, you got the Insta, you got the whole thing. We just got to get you on TikTok.
1: And I'm the only one doing it. I'm the one, I'm the That's one amazing. doing it That's too. Amazing. Well, thanks
0: so much. We'll talk again soon. Okay. All right. God bless you, Pete. All right. That was the hour with Lavinia. It was great. Check out Catholic Way Bible Study. Download their app. Stay in touch with what they're doing. And uh, we will be back soon. We've got a couple different episodes that we're recording. I got another one with Peter Herbeck coming up. And uh, it's a busy summer, but we're committed to continuing to fulfill the mission of this podcast, which is to read the signs of the times, see what the Lord is doing, And try to respond as best we can as disciples of Jesus Christ. Don't forget to subscribe. Give us a rating. Send us a comment. uh, Let us know how we're doing. But thank you for listening. I'm Pete Barak. Talk to you soon.